Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode number 148. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we have Kevin Rakestraw. How are you doing there, Kevin? I'm doing pretty well. Did you have a good Christmas? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Did you get some beef, did you get some beef jerky? I did not get beef jerky, unfortunately. <laughs> no. Uh, Apparently, uh, my loved ones don't know me as well as I thought they did. Oh, boy. That's a shame. Yeah, it truly is. This week on the show, we have three amazing reviews lined up for you. we got American Sniper, Unbroken, and A Most Violent Year. Of course, we'll also be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Do you want to go over any news? I feel like there really hasn't been any big news other than Sony obviously releasing the interview. Yeah, on, yeah. On uh, Christmas Day. Didn't see that happening. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to shelve this movie that we put a ton of money into. Yeah, and it's like, especially after the president called him out, they pretty much had it. I'm surprised that they released it on Christmas Day as planned. I was kind of thinking that they'd release it a little bit later. Yeah, that's true. But And they also released it on demand, too, which was, that was a, I think that was a good move. Yes, I would it, agree It's with funny, that. like, I feel like they were kind of backpedaling and... I don't think they necessarily redeem themselves by doing that, but no, they got they but, got back a sliver of dignity. Yeah, a sliver, <laughs> just a sliver. Uh, so you you haven't seen the interview yet? I have. We might talk about it. I was gonna say what we, on a future show. What are your thoughts? Just real quick. It was fine. Uh, it it wasn't amazing, but I can also see why North Korea didn't want it to be released. I mean, it's a pretty ballsy movie when you think about it. I mean, it's about killing a dictator that's still in power. I don't know if that's ever been done before in a movie. I th- I, I feel as though it has. I mean, we've seen dictators still in power in movies being made fun of, like in Team America, and I think... Chaplin's uh, uh, The Great Dictator. The, the Great Dictator, but they didn't kill him in that, did they? It wasn't, it wasn't about <laughs> killing him. <laughs> and i think maybe. i think like they made fun of saddam hussein in the hot shots movies i think and there have been other movies that made fun of dictators in power but none about actually murdering them just stone cold killing them uh yeah it was there were a few parts that were really really funny a lot of the jokes didn't necessarily land for me there were a lot of kind of borderline racist jokes in there oh i can imagine. like there there are a few times where they kind of make fun of um asians how asians speak english you know the the whole english yeah, thing yeah there's a there's a miso sorry joke oh in there. my goodness yeah come on so there, there's some it's definitely lowbrow oh god ernie reviewed it for the site he gave it an eight so he he really liked it oh ernie i'm I'd probably give it somewhere like a six and a half. Now, how much? How, how much of that eight do you think is patriotism inspired? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to ask him. I just think. I think it's. I just. <laughs> I found the whole thing ridiculous. That like that became our like cry to patriotism this this week. Just watching the interview, do it for it America. It is kind of interesting, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> James Franco and Seth Rogen. One of their dumb comedies is bringing the country together. Yeah. Wow. Who would have thought? <laughs> I wouldn't. I mean, <laughs> just the, the fact that this movie exists, though, is kind of crazy. I mean, the subject matter in the movie, you just 
you would never think that a big studio would sign off on it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's just it's, it's so perplexing. The whole I think it's the whole thing. I think it's I think it's definitely worth seeing. There's some really cool there's re- some really cool uh cinematography in it towards the end. There's some really cool slow motion stuff that they do and it gets very violent like how Pineapple Express got violent. Yeah. They seem to like to do that. They like to tack on some solid violence in it. Throw you off your guard a little bit. Yeah. It does get very violent, but <laughs> oh. yeah, there's uh, there's some really funny stuff in there. There's a scene where they have their like poison thing that you see in the in the trailer, you know, what the, that's on their hand, and <laughs> well, you know, no, I'm not gonna give it away. Don't do it. Don't get. Give it come on now. Not gonna give All it right. away, but it's very funny. It happens early on in the movie. All right. And it's involving a guard, and you'll know exactly when it happens when you see it. Gotcha. Uh, so anyway, yes, I do recommend checking out the interview. I mean, it's like five bucks. You can get it on YouTube or Xbox or Google Play, I think. And it's playing in, I think, over 300 theaters. So it it is playing in theaters where I'm at. So Really? Yeah, it's not playing at Carmike. That's the main theater chain we have here. But it is playing at the indie theater that we have. Okay. So, yeah, check it out, the interview. Let's uh, let's dive into our first review. Uh, you want to do, let's do Unbroken. Let's do that one first. All right. So this is directed by Angelina Jolie, co-written by the Coens. Which is completely what, what, odd. Uh, I did not know that at all until after watching the movie. Well, you wouldn't know it. I had you no idea. By watching the movie. And I thought maybe that this was like a joke on IMDb's part. But dug into it a little bit further, and it seems like it's legit. Yeah, it's legit. They're listed in the movie credits. I don't watch credits. Okay. Especially when the movie's terrible. I'm just like, I'm out. I'm out as soon as I get the opportunity. Stop. (laughs) Pressing the stop button. (laughs) All right, so I have a synopsis here. After a near-fatal plane crash in World War II, Olympian Louis Zamperini spends a harrowing 47 days in a raft with two fellow crewmen before he's caught by the Japanese Navy and sent to a prisoner of war camp. The stars Jack O'Connell, Donald Gleason, Garrett Hedlund is in there, Jai Courtney, of course, is in there, and the guy from American Horror Story that plays Dandy in American Horror Story. Who's that? Who plays Dandy? It's, uh, I think... Finn, is it? Yeah, Finn Finn, Finn Whitrock. Is that a real name? Apparently, he he's like, amazing in American Horror Story. That is a fantastic name. It is a good name. Bravo to the parents. All right, so oh, I, I you already, also got you forgot the biggest actor in the whole thing is Miyabi. Yeah, Miyabi is in this, which is odd to me, but whatever. 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 So I already think i have an idea of what you think of this movie <laughs> but do you, you notice that this week's movies they all kind of have uh an american theme to them they sure do even a most violent year very strong go america american theme to it it's all about america and even if even if we did re- review the interview that fit in too oh that would take it over the top it's kind of interesting it's all about america it's christmas week go yeah, america yes i guess <laughs> All right, Kevin. Let's just let's just dive in. What you think? Oh boy, this is this is so ungodly amateurish. What well, really. is only her second movie? Well, so. I mean, and this is 
the only reason that she is able to make this movie is because of who she is. Because she should not be handling this at all. <laughs> she took like an incredible, incredible true story and just reduces it down to the most mundane viewing experience I've had this year. Just like bullet point biopic at its worst. And I just can't believe that the Coen brothers are working on the script. Because like you said, you can't tell at all. No, because the, the, script basic is, the script is script. terrible. Yeah. It is, I mean, almost all the characters talk in little chunks of motivational speak. Mm-hmm. It's just ridiculous how rudimentary this is. And then I'm also baffled that Roger Deakins is the cinematographer. Yeah. What the, the only, hell? The only part that I thought looked really good was all the stuff in the plane at, towards the beginning. The plane I looked thought... good, and I, I, I did like the shot of them like slowly marching into the water when the plane oh, flies yeah. overhead and they do the overhead shot of the shadow. Yeah, cool. I thought that yeah. was pretty nice. But then they immediately ruin it by doing another shot like a minute later, mm-hmm. which just took the wind out of the sails of the first one. I mean, this is just, this is sad. This movie's sad because it's just so basic. Yeah. If I can I take agree. it, I can make it. Like, my God. Uh, it's and just, also, there's, plus there's nothing... Again, I'll say it again. I hate these types of movies because there's just nothing to latch on to and really discuss at length. Like, I'm I'm out of material already. Like, I'm done. Yeah. I I'm going to be th- struggling. Th- yeah, me too. Me too. The thing about this movie is it's not... It doesn't feel like there's any kind of story arc happening. It's just... It's almost like a series of vignettes. And it's like, okay, this horrible thing happened to him. Then this horrible thing then this horrible thing, and you see all these terrible things happening to him, and it is an incredible story, but at the same time, I feel like I don't know enough about this guy. I want more, I want more of the, the character interactions. I want, I want to learn more about how this affected him personally. Well, you're not going to get that. <laughs> and I, I want to know more about his, the relationships that he had with the people that he was with during this time you know like we 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 meet these people like garrett headland he seemed like an interesting character yeah but at the same time we don't we don't know what's going on with this guy and everyone seems keyword seems like an interesting character but they are not fleshed out at all right exactly oddly enough the only one that really gets like an attempt at fleshing out is miyavi's character the sadistic prison guard He's the only one that seems to get like any type of development. But we still don't really and no, no, know what it's the not, deal is with that guy. No, it's not it's not good development, but there's actually like a shot at developing his character, which seems really odd. It's just an odd choice to try and develop his character and not yeah. Sam Perini's character outside of those terrible, terrible flashbacks in the beginning of the movie, which were just so poorly executed. Especially the the one where he's like bracing for impact and then just uh-huh. inexplicably goes flashbacks to him. Yeah. And like, takes, like, like they had takes, no other idea of like, where can we put this in at? We have to put in that he's an Olympic athlete because we talk about it so much later on and they just throw it in haphazardly. Yeah. You know? It kind of takes the wind out of the sails of that scene. Really. Yeah. Cause I thought, I thought all that stuff in the plane was really interesting to see 
how all that stuff works in the, the in the big bomber plane that they were in. I thought all that stuff looked good, and uh, with the rest of the movie, I uh, was it's, not into. It's so how, how it all looked, and it's just so mediocre and generic. That mm-hmm. honestly, it just it really leaves no impact on you, which is terrible to say because Louis Zamperini's life should have an impact if done correctly. I mean, it's right there. This guy went through so much. It shouldn't be that hard to impact an audience with his story. But I don't know how she did it, but she was able to take this story and make it have no impact on me whatsoever. It's just yeah. It's just rough. And I mean, I... even like the like we get into performances, okay? Which Jack O'Connell early on this year with Startup just went just unbelievable where it was like holy shit this guy is a leading man so i was kind of excited to see how he's going to do an unbroken because here we go he has his shot leading man and wow well, he's not really given anything to do here well that's the thing he's no he's not given much to do and i thought that he had a hard time with the american accent too he has kind of a weird accent in this a little bit what which didn't, I mean, that didn't bring it down for me or anything, but I think it's interesting how he's probably going to get noticed for this movie when he should be getting noticed for Startup. Yes. Oh my God, yes. Because he's he has so much more to work with in that movie on an emotional level. On this movie, he's just getting beat up and he, he doesn't even have that many lines. No. Really. He doesn't even have no. that much dialogue. No. And when he does, it's that bullshit motivational speak where he's just like, if I can take it, I can make it. <laughs> and it's like, really? That's all you have to say? Everything that's going on, that's it. Okay, sure. It's just like his character is so one-dimensional, which it almost I it almost how. seems that this that this this guy's story would be better suited for. And I'm sure that there is a book, but it seems better suited for a book rather than a movie. Yeah, I think he does have a book. I don't know if like he wrote himself or someone wrote a biography about him. But yeah, yeah, definitely read the book. Hell, just read read a Wikipedia article about him. For Christ's sake. <laughs> well, that's what this is pretty much. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> this is a Wikipedia article. <laughs> but poorly done. It's not even a well-executed visual Wikipedia article. I mean, oh my God. The the scene for me that just just d- did it in for me was the the scene the sequence where he has to hold up that piece of lumber you know yeah and that's the big scene I know that's the big I know that's the big scene and he's got to stand there and hold it and if he drops it he dies and all this and just the fact that Jolie has to scan around to all the onlookers all the slaves that just had apparently they were allowed to stop working and just watch him. Everybody stopped. I know. <laughs> then he just pan around and it stops at like four or five different slaves, prisoners of war, and they're just sitting there like, come on, come on, Louie. And it's like, really? Th- that is completely unnecessary. Like, what What are you doing? This is just terrible. Terrible. That coal isn't going to mine itself. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's the other thing. They're completely just covered head to toe in coal suit, right? And then yet when they flash their smiles... Pearly whites. <laughs> Pearly fucking whites everywhere. I mean, uh, they are just able to brush their teeth apparently anytime they want. They got scope. <laughs> they got scope in there. <laughs> they all fucking trident. 
I mean, orbit. Jesus. They got those crest whitening strips in the back. <laughs> that's all. That's all they had money for. That's typical of these types of movies, though. I know, but I just I you, hate you that. I hate, keep that I hate that half-ass grittiness that they go for in Hollywood. Yeah, movies. you you make them look dirty. You, you put some soot on their face, but you, they still have to look good. You know, it's like Hollywood <laughs> ugly. Yep, that's what it exactly. is. Exactly. That's that, and that irritates the shit out of me. And I know it's like a really small thing to get kind of hung up on is like, oh, fucking white teeth again. But God damn it, just rub a little black soot on the teeth. Come on. Yeah, just make them a little bit yellow. More yellow. Something. Plus, is every, like, was every soldier in World War II a pretty boy? Come on now. In, the, in their in their crew, <laughs> yeah. It seemed that way. My goodness. It definitely seemed that way. And then, of thought, course, uh, and then, of course, they do the whole fucking wrap it up in a nice little bow at the end. And, mm-hmm. and we're done. It's just, I can't stand this shit. <sighs> yeah. I was, uh, I was not into this movie either. Well, and plus you got that that uh, that score going on the whole time, which just maybe it's just me, but that type I didn't of music even pay attention just to the ir- score, oh, it honestly. irritates the shit out of me. I didn't even I didn't even notice it. Didn't take note between who is it, Desplat or however you say his name? Yeah, Alexander Desplat. Mm-hmm. Him and Zimmer. Oh, oh God, can't take it. Yeah. Apparently, I can't take it, and I can't make it. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm gonna not recommend this one. I didn't hate it. I didn't out and out hate it. It was it was still it was over two hours long. Uh, again, again, these goddamn run times. Yeah, come on. <sighs> there just wasn't a lot there. It just felt empty to me. Yes, yes, exactly. Just it's so unbelievably generic and mediocre. And then to have that stretch out for over two hours is just, it's too much. And it, But also, to go along with it, the, the incredible true life story of this man just makes it all the more irritating. Yeah. Because you're just sitting there like, why is this so mundane? How did yeah. you do this? I did like the scene where they're punching the sharks, though. <laughs> there is some shark punching in this movie. That guy does go off on that shark. Just goes crazy on that shark. It isn't incredible to me how they were somehow able to survive for 47 days. Well, that's what I mean. On like, a raft. It's just, it's unbelievable. This story is just, oh my goodness. If it wasn't a true life story, like if this, <clears throat> if someone just made a movie, we would be sitting here tearing it apart. Yeah. Like, There's no fucking way that happened. There's no way. There's no way you could live for 47 <laughs> days without any food or water on a raft. Punching sharks and catching seagulls. Bullshit. <laughs> you know but if well, the shark, i mean the shark scene alone i'd be like nope no way there's no but way apparently it happened and it's spent you know when the first plane comes by and just lights them up yeah with artillery fire it's just like no way there's no way they would survive that and then patch up the raft bullshit yeah it's pretty crazy i, I will say that i liked all the stuff at sea and in the air way more than i liked the pow stuff yes yeah and i and i don't when i say i liked it i don't mean i literally liked that no that it was, was happening to them I, I, think, I mean i would i think you're saying like me it was more engaging right right <clears throat> yeah i would agree it's just yeah there's not much to 
because usually with this, these movies, you at least have performances to latch on to. Yeah. But the script is so mediocre in itself that the actors aren't really given anything. No. So you don't even have performances. There's just really nothing. There's no meat to this. Yeah. And it yeah. baffles me. How is there no meat? I know. Considering how dense of a story this is. Exactly. You'd think that there's something going on in the movie, but no. 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 Not really. This guy just had a shitty life. Yeah. He just had... He overcame it all. Yeah. And some, you know, incompetent filmmaker, or I say that with air quotes, just turns it into a boring story. Boring film. All right, well... That's unbroken. <laughs> yeah. What are you gonna give? What are you gonna give this out of ten? Four. I'm gonna give it a f- five. Ooh. I'm gonna give it a five. Mm. Yeah. I I didn't like. I said I didn't hate it. I just didn't think that there was much there. Just there isn't a lot to talk about with it. Oh yeah. I mean we can we can get into this guy's real life story, but just focusing on what occurs in the movie and how it's put together there's just not a lot there yeah so i agree they have it unbroken playing in i don't know if it's in select i think it's in select cities now all right let's move on to american sniper so this is directed by clint eastwood and it stars bradley cooper and sienna miller's in there for a short time uh i have a synopsis navy seal sniper chris kyle's Pinpoint accuracy saves countless lives on the battlefield and turns him into a legend. Back home to his wife and kids, after four tours of duty, however, Chris finds that it is the war he can't leave behind. Now, this is another one, similarly to Unbroken, that Very I, didn't similar. Hate, I didn't hate it, but at the <clears throat> same time, um, I felt like it was a bit lacking in in the characters, and... They explore it a little bit with little Chris bit. Kyle and his PTSD. But again, it's a very rudiment. But yeah, yeah, they don't. <laughs> I, f- I feel like they don't. Clint Eastwood doesn't cover that as much as he covers the, the shit that he had to go through in his four tours. Yeah. And that's kind of the interesting thing about this movie. Like Unbroken, it is almost it's almost segmented in how it's portrayed it's like here's what happens in his first tour here's what happens in his second third and fourth Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so on and then they have these little interludes in between where he comes home and every time he comes home he's just a little bit more fucked up than the previous time he's just a little more distant than he was before and i i will say there's there's a couple things i liked i thought that all of the action scenes which this movie had a lot more action in it than i initially expected i didn't think that it was going to be a very action heavy movie i thought that it was going to focus on the psychology of war and what that does that's what i was hoping for to a soldier i thought that that was going to be and i thought it was going to be more about the relationship with his family and all of that um because i didn't know his story i didn't know anything about chris kyle going into this i didn't know what happened to him i didn't know any of that same here so I was surprised that there was as much action. Now, I will say that I thought that the action was shot very well for the most part. They did use a little bit too much CG in the... uh, There's a lot of CG blood in this Mm -hmm. that I thought did not look good at all. it did not look good. I thought it looked really bad. And there (laughs) was... 
<laughs> there's another part where uh so sienna miller has they have a baby and the baby is clearly a a fake a, a doll <laughs> and it's very obvious and jarring at least to me it was did you notice the the fake baby i did not and now i i want to watch it again just to try and pick up on that because this yeah. this movie um i have a tough time with this onslaught towards the end of the year with these hollywood oscar aspirational movies um they just they wear me down and like you kind of pointed out this movie is very similar to unbroken but just a little more competently made yeah i was gonna say i like this i think that this is a better movie than Unbroken. yes 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 i would agree with that it looks better i think that even though the pacing's a little bit better yeah you know the storytelling aspects of it the characters are a little more fleshed out yeah. And this is what I was kind of talking about because, again, I, I see a lot of similarities between Unbroken and American Sniper. But with American Sniper, you at least have a performance to latch on to because I thought mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper was pretty good in this movie. Yeah. And I thought that they they did flesh out his character certainly a lot more than Jack O'Connell. Yeah. I mean, it's still, it still leaves a lot to be desired because they Eastwood just kind of scratches the surface of the whole PTSD. Yeah, and I think that with Clint Eastwood as a as a person and a filmmaker, I think that he was trying to accentuate the positive in this story. Yeah. I mean, this guy, I mean, it seems like he was an American hero in real life. Yeah. And and it seems like Clint Eastwood just barely scratched the surface of character flaws in this guy but i'm sure that in real life you know there was a lot more tormenting him and yeah a lot more problems that he had i would imagine that he was a, a much more complex person right. exactly because in this movie this guy was amazing i mean this guy was like captain america and gi joe wrapped all into one amazing package yeah and one the other thing too is the thing that i kind of had a problem with is Sienna Miller's character is kind of introduced as, you know, a very strong, independent woman. You know, it seemed like she was going to be a complex character. And then she just kind of regulated to the back burner and not really fleshed out at all. But yeah, I, she which, wasn't it, even in it, it that much. Yeah, it, I mean, it kind of makes sense. I kind of understand that it's more of a movie about Kyle. Right. So we're not going to focus a lot of time on her, but it still seemed kind of, kind of odd that they would... That he would, you know, <clears throat> develop her so much in the beginning and then just kind of throw her away <laughs> for yeah. the rest of the movie. And I'm sure that some people probably are going to criticize this movie on its super patriotic America rah, rah, rah well, that, sen- sentimental- sentimentality. But I, it, in this movie, it didn't bother me. Okay, because that's what yeah. I wanted to get into. This movie was extremely difficult to watch. Especially the way the his entire first kill is handed, handled, mm-hmm. just oh, that was just I thought that that was disgusting. And then the way you know his his uh, <clears throat> the guy that kind of like looks out after him, you know, sits up with him, his reaction and how he's like, oh, that was fucking gnarly, dude. It's just like, oh my god, it's, it's fucking but that's, disgusting. That's how it is, though. You know, that's, I think that that's a realistic portrayal. I actually just last night saw the the documentary Korengal, which was the follow-up to Restrepo. Mm -hmm. And 
although it's pretty much the exact same movie, it has a very different tone to it because it shows a completely different side to all these soldiers that we saw in Restrepo, where uh, a lot of the movie is uh, shot during firefights and their reaction. And that's that's what it's like. I mean, they get you get this like charge of adrenaline and you get amped up. But is that not like that's disturbing? That well, is it's very disturbing. It's interesting because in that documentary, they do talk about that. And what a lot of those soldiers say is like, it's when you look back on it, if you're like an outsider looking in, it can look kind of sick. But when you're in that situation, you just, you don't know what it's like until you're in that situation. And <clears throat> I, I tend to agree with them. I mean, I, I just, I, my cousin's a Marine and he's been in situations like that. And I've talked to him about that. And he says the same thing. It's like, you know, my cousin is not a violent person, but when you're in that situation, just, you know, it, something happens to you, you change. I just, I'm, <clears throat> I'm always reminded of, uh, I forget who, you know, it was like a Marine from like World War II or something like that, or, you know, a soldier or something. He was talking about how he's kind of, he's kind of put off by it because back then no one wanted to kill anyone and they were, you know, they regretted killing people, but it seems like people now have a bloodlust for it and they really get, you know, they really get amped up by it and congratulate each other. I never got the impression just... that that Chris Kyle had that mm -mm. bloodlust. No, no, no. I, I do, in, I do in... want to point that out that it was, I like the way that that was kind of handled because when that guy sort of goes off and he's like, oh, it's, that was fucking gnarly, man. And Chris Kyle's character is, you know, Bradley Cooper is like, get the fuck off of me. You know, he's yeah. not into it at all. Yeah. I mean, he, I think the way Chris Kyle viewed, viewed that whole situation and the things that he had to do, it was him doing his duty. And I think that that's probably how a lot of soldiers and Marines and, and everybody <clears throat> in the military, that's how they view it. And just the, like that put me off. That was off putting to say the least. And then to follow it up the way Eastwood does is, you know, a little bit later, there's just this, like, montage sequence, like, highlight reel of Chris Kyle's kills. Like, they just, you know, rack them up real quick. And then later on in the movie, Chris Kyle's watching the Mustafa, the because it kind of turns into this, uh, what, what was that movie with Jude Law, the battling snipers? Was that oh, Enemy? Yeah. Enemy at the Gates. Yeah. It kind of turns into that with the, Syri with the Syrian Olympic sniper. And he's watching the video of Mustafa and he gets all pissed off because he's like, oh, Mustafa films these and sells them out on the street. He's a savage. And it's like, well, that's kind of what Eastwood's doing right now. He's doing the same thing. He's like a highlight reel of all your kills. So I don't know if Kyle would really be into that. I don't know. Because I, I saw him would. as kind of the same thing. Yeah. he. It was funny because there were several times throughout, because he got a nickname. They called him the legend, right? Wasn't mm -hmm. that? Yeah, yeah. So he gets this nickname. He doesn't ask for it. He doesn't want it. No. And the whole time, he's very humble to all of this stuff. He doesn't want the notoriety. He doesn't want the, the recognition and the fame and all of that stuff that's coming along with it. He's just, he's there to do a job. Mm -hmm. And he focuses on the mission. And while everyone around him is giving him a pat on the back and, and think, you know, basically trying to get him to recognize how amazing he is. He's just like, you know, I don't want any of that. Yeah. I don't want any yeah. of that. So, yeah, you could be right about that. Just it, just some of Eastwood's decisions are off-putting. 
the way that you kind of, you know, it's just, it's, and maybe it's just me because I just, I have trouble with that stuff. Because you hate America, clearly. (laughs) Clearly, you're not a patriot. Come on now. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Some bitch. I, I think that people tend to unfairly criticize a lot of these movies for being too, too patriotic or, you know, too American. And I don't, I don't think a a movie should immediately be judged on that, especially, especially when it all depends on the subject matter. You know, I could look at Lone Survivor, which was another big uh, war movie that came out last year at this, around the same time. And that was terrible. Yeah. And that, and that took the idea of patriotism and bastardized it into this ridiculous display. Yeah. And, you know, because I... An act of valor, too. That was even worse. This, to me, American Sniper never felt like a recruitment tool. Right. Like those movies seem to be from what you've told me and what I've heard from other people. I never got the sense from American Sniper that this is like, sign up for the army. Sign up for the Marines, Navy SEALs, go America. I never got really got that sense from it. So I'll give them, I'll give Eastwood that. It's just some of that, uh, some of that killing stuff. It's just. Well, it was, yeah, it was intense. A lot of it, Mm. especially when he decides to go down and, and help with the guys that are, uh, searching the houses and stuff. Cause that that was the other thing about this movie is it does get very tense at times and suspenseful. I mean, especially that opening scene with when he does get his first kill, like that whole sequence, I was just like, oh my God, this is, this is crazy. Yeah. And that's what you see in the trailer too. Yeah. Uh, but again, uh, Bradley Cooper, I thought did a fantastic job with his character. Yeah, I agree. His great performance. You know, I mean, he's really, he's really solidifying himself. Yeah. He's coming into his own. I mean, he can do he can do comedy, comedy. He can do drama. He can do pretty much anything. He's all over the place. He can be a raccoon. <laughs> uh, yes, he can. Yeah, how many other people play raccoons? Not many. Not many. I thought it was incredibly sad. And uh, the other thing, yeah, you, and I'm not. I'm not going to oh, give it away. Don't even. My goodness. I know exactly what you're going to talk about. And like you said, I didn't know this story at all. I've okay. never heard of this guy. And the way this movie ends, oh, oh my goodness. It was the same. It's it just, was the same. Well, huh. I don't know if I should. You know what? This is the this saddest is, thing ever. The It ends very similarly to Lincoln. If you remember how Lincoln ended. It is. It's, it's, it was done in a similar way where it is kind of odd. We we didn't see. We don't see what happens, but there's that kind of lead up where you're. So I think that if I knew how he died, yeah. then I'd be like, oh boy, like I would see it coming. Like I would know that that yeah very last scene was him going off to get killed. But uh, since I didn't know. It was way more impactful. Well, it, it, yeah, because I didn't know either, and I'm kind of thinking. I was shocked. I was like, "Holy, yeah. sh- holy <laughs> shit!" And I was just kind of th- like, "Why is Sienna Miller? Why she have that look on her face?" <laughs> you know. And then it cuts right to that, like the title card, and you're like, "Oh, that's oh, okay." God damn, that is sad. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yes, it is. It's 
terrible, terrible how that happened. But uh, and I got uh, the the sequence that stood out the most for me was the the sandstorm. Yeah, that whole sequence, the way that that was that played out. Yeah, I thought that that was that was pretty competent filmmaking right there. I did like the the rivalry he had between the other sniper. Now I don't know if that oh, happened I th- in I, real life. I, th- I think they took a, some liberties th- with that. It seems like they did, yeah. But I still I still liked that. I thought that that was interesting that he had this kind of rival sniper and there was a huge bounty on his head and yeah all that stuff i like the fact that his that his uh unit used the the punisher logo on all their stuff made him look pretty badass oh my it's it's just it's funny because and someone pointed this out on letterbox is how much like after because i saw unbroken first and then I watched American Sniper, and I'm like, wow, it seems like Angelina Jolie's just trying to emulate Eastwood's style here. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're so, you watch them back to back, and, man, they're very similar. They are. They are but very you similar. can definitely tell who has talent, though, and well, skill. Eastwood is a more seasoned <laughs> director. And I, this is the only Unbroken is the only movie I've seen directed by Angelina Jolie, so I can't judge her just on that one movie. I didn't see the other one she did. It's just, it's just. I thought it was unfortunate for American Sniper, just the way that they only he only kind of like scratched the surface of his his torment and the PTSD and when he's back home and stuff. I thought they. Yeah. I wish they went into that a little bit more instead of you know montages of him racking up all of his kills. I liked most of the action sequences. I thought they were shot just, pretty competently. Just, they I, looked good. Yeah, I mean, I thought they were competent as well, but to me it was just a bit too, it was a bit uh, gratuitous. There's a lot more weight to it's it just, because you know it really happened. Yeah, but it's just like, I I know he killed people. Like, I know that. You don't, it, it's just the way that Eastwood presents it. Yeah. It's just kind of, it's kind of like, you know, like ESPN Top 10. <laughs> Boom! Boom! Top, top <laughs> ten tackles. <laughs> you know, and he's was just sitting there like, hell yeah. I think. Well, I think that also maybe it would be more justifiable to to present it that way if they showed the, how much of an exactly, impact that the, had the on him that it took on him. Yeah, it yeah. would make a little more sense to have that in there. That's what I'm saying. It's not you're just scratching the surface, so it ends up rendering those early scenes a bit gratuitous. And, I don't know. I guess he just had a different plan. I mean, there's a lot of movies out there now that that tackled the subject of PTSD. So maybe he was just trying to focus on the events that happened in this guy's life. That's true. And not not get into you know the 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 toll that these events took on his psyche. I, I'm imagining that's the way that he was trying to present it. And another thing I want to point the. Like, like halfway through, they just drop his brother. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what was, happened to the brother. That was kind of odd. I thought, like, so. Well, much... I, I guess he went off to war too. I know. But... And then they have that like big meet up, and it's like, oh man, where's this gonna go? And well, you just especially like, never hear especially, from him again. Yeah, especially because you can. The brother's all fucked up. Yeah. And you're you're just like, okay, well, there's something clearly wrong with his brother. But his brother is never brought up again. At least not that I remember. Yeah, I don't 
I don't remember that either, actually. Unless I'm forgetting, like, a huge scene and people listening right now are like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, I don't think they, I don't think they bring it back. I hope not. Because then that would make me wrong. All right. What are you thinking on? I'll, I'll, I'll give it a score first. Um, right. I'm going to say six. I'm going to go with American six. Sniper. Hmm. I'm going to go with a, like a five and a half. All right. There we go. American Sniper. I don't know if that's in a wide release now or not. <laughs> it's at you, least in a limited release. You are so fucking good with information. Well, I have no idea. Like, all these... There was, like, 50 movies that came out this week. <laughs> so I don't know which ones of them are are playing in theaters across the country I, or not. Yeah, I have no I idea. Did, I don't remember uh, Christmas Day being this jam-packed. I don't, I don't think... In the past. I mean, it's been years. It's been years since this many movies came out all at the same time. It's ridiculous. And that's another thing with, like, Unbroken, American Sniper, these types of films, these Hollywood, you know, generic type films, is, like, I wonder, honestly, if my my reception of them would be different if they were kind of spaced out. But it seems like every year at the end of the year, you know, you get sort of this onslaught, oh, gauntlet, this, year... this gauntlet of Oscar <laughs> yeah. aspirational films. And it just, it breaks you down. Yeah, I it, totally it agree with irritating. that. This year it's been crazy. There's there's so many that yeah. came out. And I mean, and if there's, they, there's if they some were just... that I didn't even like Selma. I didn't get a chance to see that yet. Big Eyes. A lot of people are are saying that that's great. Haven't seen that yet either. Yeah, I mean, there's it's just... so there's like ones that I haven't even seen yet. Yeah, and I'm just wondering, you know, if these were maybe like spaced out, would would my reception? I think it'd be easier be... easier to take them in. It might be. That's what I'm thinking. It might be. So it's kind of maybe getting a bit of an unfair treatment from me. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Well, either way, uh, I would recommend seeing American Sniper in the theater if you get a chance. As far as war movies that came out this year, I, I think the only one that I've, the only other one that I can remember is uh, Fury. And this was better. I thought that this was better than Fury, although Fury's a much different movie but fury focuses more on kind of the atrocities of war and what you are sort of forced to do as a soldier yeah but i mean i I liked fury but i think this this one's a little bit better okay let's move on to our final film of the day we're talking about a most violent year this is directed by jc chander i have a synopsis here in new york In New York City, 1981, an ambitious immigrant fights to protect his business and family during the the most dangerous year in the city's history. The stars Oscar Isaac, Jessica Chastain, uh, David Oyelo. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but it's the guy from Selma. (laughs) He's great in this, too, but uh, Albert Brooks is in this. Yeah, Uh, which I didn't know. I didn't know Albert Brooks was in this. Yeah, and he plays a, a bigger role than I expected. It was nice to see him again. So, Kevin, what did you think of a most violent year? Bradford Young. <laughs> For the win. <laughs> just a heads up. That's all I'm going to say throughout. Just Bradford Young in different different tones. So, yeah, Bradford Young. Good Lord. That was really, to be quite honest, that was really the only reason I wanted to see this movie. 
I actually oh, had I actually had no I wasn't excited to see a most violent year. I wasn't anticipating it. I wasn't looking forward to it. Uh, it wasn't on my radar. And then I forget when, but somehow I came across. Maybe it was when I was checking out Selma, you know, and I saw that Bradford Young was cinematographer on that. I'm like, oh, what else is he doing upcoming? And I saw that he's the cinematographer for this, and that instantly shot to the top of my must-watch list. That's how much I enjoy Bradford Young. And I just, the very beginning of this movie, it just seems like it's, you know, a highlight reel where JC was just like, Bradford Young, do your thing. And it, it just, and he does it so well. And it just completely pulled me in. And I was like, yes, I can't wait to watch the rest of this. And then it actually turns out to be a very captivating story about, <laughs> about, about you know, the oil business. Who the fuck would have knew? You know? Well, that, that, yeah. That, <laughs> I mentioned that in my letterbox review. I was like, what kind of surprised me to to realize like to realize how enthralling this whole yeah. story could be about a, a guy who has a fuel business it yeah. seems like a pretty boring thing but the it, fact that this does take place in the most violent year in new york city's history more murders than any other year and it's funny because it's like i say that it's shot to the top of my must watch list but i still didn't like look into it at all i still when i went into this movie i didn't really know what what it was about outside of Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain are in it, and it kind of looks like a gangster film. That's all I knew. I was mm-hmm. solely watching this because Bradford Young is the cinematographer. That was it. And like I said, I was pleasantly surprised of how captivating this this story was. Right. Way, so you know the pacing of it and just everything, the whole unfolding of this story, I thought was exceptionally well made. The only thing I have a problem with is kind of the, that um, that limp side story with the one of the delivery drivers. Oh yeah, I thought that and that was he, a well, little that, underdeveloped, and that plays into the larger story by the end, though. Yes, yes. Which so I mean, that, I, can, that, I can understand why they included that because we needed we needed mm-hmm. to know yeah. a little bit more about this guy so that we could see. Just so his actions were justified for me, though, that, you know, the whole ending of this film kind of hinges around that side storyline. Yeah, exactly. If it's going to hinge completely around that, I think that you should have developed it a little bit more. Yeah, I think maybe it it maybe would have been better to cut away to him a a little bit more, but show his family life a little bit more. Before we get in, let's just talk about that final confrontation. Like, I'm not going to talk spoilers. I just want to talk about how well executed that entire sequence is. And is that not one of the coldest endings? Loved it. I mean, just the subtlety of how Oscar Isaac reacts and, you know, the first action that he takes after everything transpires. There's just so much that's conveyed in that action. Like that is that's exceptional skill wise, you know. And in, in the le- in lesser hands, you know, Oscar Isaac would say something, you know, like some bullshit on the nose dialogue. <laughs> yeah, you know, to yeah. convey his what the way he has things prioritized. But just that little mo- and the way it was shot too, it was just oh boy, whew. Yeah, so harsh. so I love this movie. This movie's I mean, it takes place. In New York City in the early 80s, I'm already on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, you throw in 
some amazing cinematography, some amazing outstanding performances from Jessica Chastain and Oscar Isaac. Oh, Oscar Isaac is... They were both... I mean, they knocked it out of the park in this. Fantastic. And uh, let's just talk about the story a little bit before I get into it any further. So basically, it's about this family, Jessica Chastain, Oscar Isaac, or a couple. They own this fuel company. I think it's oil, right? They're Mm -hmm. selling oil. Yeah. And they are trying to expand their business. They're trying to buy this very expensive property so that they can grow their company. And uh, while trying to, to settle this deal, basically all of their delivery trucks are getting hijacked and mm-hmm. they're <clears throat> losing tons and tons of money on this. So Oscar Isaac's trying to work this deal out to get this property while trying to work with the DA in solving this uh, hijacking problem, and he's trying to find out who's doing it. But there's also, he finds out that the DA is about to indict him for basically, I don't even think he knows why they're, <laughs> they're going to be indicting him. Because the, the whole thing about this character is, in, in most movies like this, and it does have a very gangster movie vibe to it, but at the same time, like Oscar Isaac's a good guy. He tries to do everything on the up and up. Mm-hmm. He, did. he tries he, to do. He tries so hard. <laughs> he tries so hard to do everything by the book, completely legal, and it's like he just keeps getting punished for it over and over. Mm-hmm. And you feel so bad for this guy because he seems like he seems like a good guy. He does seem very cold. He seems like. A businessman. Yeah, he seems I mean, like a guy that's focused on his business. It just seems like he's, you know, he's kind of manipulating some of the regulations and the rules. But as he points out, everyone's doing it. Apparently, it's just that yeah. he's small time, and they're going after him because they always go after small time people. They never go after the big companies. Yeah, apparently, what they're doing in their business is standard practice for. Mm-hmm. The fuel. It's illegal, but at the same time, standard practice. You know, it's it happens a lot. But do they do they ever even say what it is? I mean, we know that there is some cooking of the books going on, but other than that, which is which is the interesting thing because Jessica Chastain's character is the one that kind of has you know she kind of hints at this like small time gangster. Background well, she, like her family, her, and she, her and father was yeah, a mobster. She, yeah, and she's trying to push that that's the direction Oscar Isaac needs to go. You know, and even at one point calling him out and calling him a pussy for not doing it, and he's trying so hard not to go the gangster route, but it's just it's not working out for him. And it's kind of interesting because as much as I liked Chastain's performance, there's. There's this turning point where you think like, oh my God, this is going to become very, it's going to become Chastain's movie. Like she's stepping into the forefront here. She's going to take it over. Because she does, yeah, she does kind of take charge at one point. And it kind of has this like Macbeth feel to it. And then all of a sudden she's just like kind of gone. She just like steps back into the shadows. Yeah, yeah. Which was kind of disappointing. I would have liked to see more of her. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's a minor quibble. Minor quibble. Yeah, very, very minor quibble. I mean, this this movie hit all the right notes for me. I thought that it was, it, you know, there's not a lot of 
action that happens in it per se, but at the same time, it, it, it there's this tension that just continuously builds as you're watching it, especially when you start to find out that, you know, he, he forbids any of the drivers from carrying guns, but then they do it anyway. And so there's this whole thing with that and the hijackings continue. And then he eventually finds out who did it. And there's, there's a really, uh, there's actually two chase scenes in this. The one involving Oscar Isaac, I thought was awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, I really enjoyed every moment of this. I, I don't know. I think it just maybe is coming out too late that it's not getting a lot of, uh, it seems like not a lot of people are talking about this. Yeah, I know, which is, it is quite odd. I mean, top 10, top 10 lists are coming out this year and I'm not seeing it on any top 10 list. It's like, what's going on here? This movie's great. I mean, I don't. Especially considering how much people went ape shit for all is lost. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you got Oscar Isaac in there and you got Jessica Chastain. But yeah, you're right. It's kind of just one under the radar. I mean, this this is most certainly going to land on my top 10 of the year because it looks amazing. I love the story. I love the setting. Performances are fantastic. You just see there's a lot going on here. A lot of good stuff. Good stuff. Bradford Young. So this comes out on uh, December 31st, so... Absolutely, check this out when it hits theaters. Get that because it it you will you will definitely like it. I think and it, it didn't feel it didn't feel too long. You know, it it comes in at just just about two hours. It felt like a good length. You know, a lot of these movies tend to be very sprawling because it is kind of the way it's structured is very similar to a mafia movie, mm-hmm. a gangster movie. And a lot of a lot of times those movies span decades and they take a long time to tell the story. But he keeps just it because, he keeps it tight. He but it's to... very tight, yeah. I mean they, they move through stuff very quickly and it takes place over a very short amount of time. I mean, it's a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not bloated like most of the other films that we've been discussing for the last couple of weeks. Even though yeah. it is a little over two hours long, but it doesn't, it never feels bloated. I didn't think. No, no and I think <laughs> that it, it moves, the pacing is right. I mean, it doesn't feel like it is dragging in any, in any, uh, any parts. It, it slowly builds the pace. And I think, I think it works. Yeah, he does. He does a good job of building tension throughout, even though it is a kind of a, like a small scale storyline that's going on here. Yeah, it's it's not this giant. It's not the Godfather. Yeah, you know, you don't have tons of characters and tons of side plots and things like that. It's it is a very simple. It's just a guy trying to grow his business. Yeah, it's always guy doing. trying to grow his business. That's it. It's always doing. And, and the terrible, terrible things that happen. <laughs> uh, but damn that that last uh, that last sequence. Whew. Yeah, that's just that's what I'm talking about. That's one of the best scenes of the year for me. Yeah, That's, I will agree. That stone cold, ice cold. Yeah. All right. What are you going to give a most violent year? I'm giving the most violent year a Bradford Young out of 10. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bradford, Bradford Young. <laughs> Bradford Young out of 10. <laughs> which means, which uh, translates to an 8 out of 10. I'm also giving it an 8 out of 10. Look at that. Yep. 
go see that again. Comes out on the 31st. Let's talk about some predictions. So last week we predicted Into the Woods. You said 65, I said 62, actual 72. So not as bad as I expected. Yeah. Unbroken, you said 60, I said 58, actual 51. Oof. Big Eyes, you said 52, I said 64, actual 73. Wow. I actually want to see that. Wow. That's a lot of people are saying that it's a return to form for Burton, so. <laughs> That's always said. And then how does he usually respond? By going right back to shit. Yeah, yeah. I'll check it out, though. I'm interested. That is playing in my area, so I might try to check that out today. The Gambler. You said 48, I said 52, actual 47. See, I completely forgot that even these movies came out. I know, I know. (laughs) Like, I was thinking it was bad. The number, and I wasn't even taking into consideration Into the Woods, Big Eyes, and The Gambler. Yeah. Goodness. Yep. So, we also have American Sniper. You said 70, I said 72, actual 73. Selma, you said 94, I said 89, actual 100. Wow. Yeah. Yep. That's what I'm talking about. So next week we have A Most Violent Year. Again, I don't know if that's getting a wide release or not. I I hope so. I, really, I, would, I would hope I, so. I sincerely hope so. What are you thinking on that one? I'm thinking like a, uh, like a 88. All right. I'm going to say, I'll say 86 on that one. Okay. We also have The Woman in Black 2, Angel of Death. Why? Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Why is that happening? I never saw the first one. I should check that out. I'm going to say 42. It was my turn to go first, but oh. that's okay. Well, I jumped on it. <laughs> Snooze, you lose. Uh, I will say 46. In limited release next week, we have uh, Rec 4 Apocalypse. The Taking of Tiger Mountain, The Search for General So, and I believe that's it. Yeah, not a whole lot, not a whole lot next week. Nice. Uh, on VOD, all I have on my list here is Teeth and Blood. Okay. Which I think it's a vampire movie. Mm, maybe. Vampire movies. And The Search for General So, which I think I'm going to check out because I'm a pretty big fan of General So's chicks. <laughs> Based solely on the fact that you like the food. Well, that, that's what it's about. Oh, it's, it's about, about the, the chicken. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's about... I mean, I'm sure they get into who General So was, but it's mainly about the chicken and where it came from. Oh, God. So, I'll be checking that out. Should be a fun one. Uh, you're going to hate that day. Why? Because I'm going to want to eat General No, because it's going to be a terrible movie, and you're going to be like, God damn it, I made another terrible decision. Well, that's the day that I move to New York. Which, so, I, actually, so you're going to compare? Oh my goodness! What are you doing? You need like yes. a, you need like a movie viewing coach. I'm going to be your life coach for <laughs> <laughs> movie watching. Well, I'm not saying for sure that I'm going to see it. It's just now that I see that it's it comes out the day that I move, I may be seeing something else hmm. in New York. I'm going to make sure of it. I'm going to try something. I don't know what yet, but. I'm going to make sure you don't watch that movie. Next week on DVD and Blu-ray, we have The Equalizer, so I could watch that. Haven't seen that. There you go. That's a little bit better. <laughs> we have Elsa and Fred and Kelly and Cal. 
All right. (laughs) (laughs) And we have Reach Me and we have Tusk, which I didn't talk about on the show, but I did see Tusk. And you loved it. Nope, I hated it. Surprise. Huge disappointment. No surprise there. Huge dis. I, I kind of want you to see it just mm. for your reaction mm. on that one. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Next week, we probably aren't going to have a show because I will, I'll be in the middle of moving. You'll be too busy watching the search for General Sun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to see if maybe we can work something out so that we do have a show. It'll probably be, it'll probably come out a couple days late if that's the case, but don't worry if we don't have a show next week, we will be back the following week. Uh, and I don't, I will probably be doing our top tens on that show. Okay. So, so send us your questions, podcast, filmpulse.net is the address. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that so very much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie.